0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an episode of The Artenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan. He is Mac. Howdy. And we do this podcast in order to review pieces of art ranging from it could be albums or video games or movies or TV shows in order to keep ourselves as artists working and better articulate what we are thinking and what we want to say. And I suggested the pick for this week in which we will be reviewing the first season of the hit TV show, The Wire. This is a show that premiered in 2002 on HBO, uh, and it was created by David Simon and was on syndication for until 2008. Uh, had a very, very successful run, and it's one of those, I think, one of those cult classic shows that are now... Especially up there in terms of quality of television, with along the likes of Breaking Bad and The Sopranos. Absolutely,
1: now, the, the, uh, so much so that uh, Obama called it um, the the best TV show of the quote past several decades. So. There we go. And so we're going to we're going to look at
0: the first season. We can't speak on, you know, the other 5 seasons that this show holds. I think I'm just going to say this now. I think after watching the first season, we will be discussing the other have 5 to. seasons. We're absolutely uh, going to have to. Yeah. Because of I think um, before we get your take uh, of the just sheer quality of the writing, and the acting, and how everything was put together in its execution of the first season, that after you watch the first season, you can't help but want to watch more, but um, kind of speaking on, that, on those terms, and let's meander, if we will, uh, into your thoughts on the show, Mac, what was your, I guess your first impression when you were watching it, and then uh, your final impression as you finished the first season of the show, The Wire.
1: Well, it's funny that you say that. So, I, um, uh, as I started watching the show initially, um, because I had expectations of it. Because every single time that I ever see a uh, show about police, um, about detectives, about um, taking down criminals and things like that especially um on network television and shot in the way that this is shot single camera i i for for a few episodes i was like oh they're doing this wrong they're like this isn't how it's supposed to look like they're, they're really messing up the the structure you know what i mean and then i was like oh that's not what the show is at all that's not what the show is meant to be
0: because you get conditioned by shows like csi and ncis And even, like, derivatives of that, like Law and Order, right? You're conditioned to those shows where, like, there is a structure. And even if there is a overall plot structure in terms of the season, you – we I mean, we're so conditioned to, okay, it's 8 p.m. on a weekday night. All right, oh, this show is on. This criminal show is on. You know, Blue Bloods. It's always, you know, same bleep, different asshole, you know?
1: (laughs) You same blue different right. Um, the uh, I like that you bleeped out shit, but not asshole. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I don't. Yeah, that was I, awesome.
0: I, you know, we'll, we'll we'll just keep going. We're just know, gonna whatever. Keep going
1: whatever. So, um, my 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 first hint should have been that it was HBO. That it's an HBO original show um, because HBO would never air something that would air on USA. Um, or like TBS or something, you know. There's not going to be Monk or Psych or or, or Hawaii Five O or whatever, right? Um, we could literally sit here and name detective TV shows for hours. There's so The many. Rookie, Castle, uh, 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 m- Elementary, m- Miami Vice. I mean, we can. Um, <laughs> <that's, yeah.
0: laughs> we can. I mean, for decades and decades, it is. It is its his own genre. Crime. It has become. It's own genre of television, but how this show uh, approaches the crime genre is different. And I think the biggest element uh, from the get go, I would say, is is how it covers uh, both sides of the crime, quote unquote, Mm when uh, you're looking at the Baltimore drug scene where this show is set and you get a really, really interesting and super duper like flawed. Uh, perspective and humanity that is like the criminal investigation that's going on behind it and the detectives that is that are spearheading the work but you also get the perspective of the people dealing the drugs of the people doing you know the drug organization uh the whole nine yards we get this really interesting perspective that not only are we getting the uh sort of as I like to call the humanity and the stupidity of the detectives, but you also get that, if not doubly so, uh, from the uh, "quote unquote" criminals. I mean, they are criminals, like to the law, right? But how this show depicts them at the same time—they are performing criminal activities, but that doesn't inherently make them criminals at heart, uh, which is
1: a very interesting approach. The, the show, the show is fantastic about. Um uh, uh, making sure that there are no good guys and bad guys. Um, that they show the cops being awesome people and assholes, and they show criminals being awesome people and assholes. They show their families. That they're, they're they're really 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 good about that. And also as the series goes on, it becomes more and more clear the um the things they do in terms of directing, in terms of writing, that are um meant to be parallels, people saying the same lines back to back. Um like like the criminals will say the same sentence as the detectives but just in a different context. Um or uh uh will operate in the exact same way like that that the detectives have to go to the higher ups before they can do anything and then um and then once they finally and like it takes them several episodes to finally get just the the, the permission to perform a single very menial task. In the in the uh, um, in the case, and uh, th- that the exact same thing is happening with the criminals, and they're both having the same frustrations at the same times. And it's and it's very 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 interesting and super well done. And um, something that actually happened to me. It's so sad that I'm actually comparing these two shows, but um, the same thing happened to me with Rick and Morty. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Where the more and more I watched, the more Um, I realized that I wasn't paying enough respect to the show and I wasn't paying enough respect to the writers and I had to go back. I had to go back and watch episodes because I wasn't paying attention hard enough to catch the little things because, and the show says this several times, um, uh, every part matters, every piece matters, every, every piece, um, uh, is is required to to, to finish the puzzle. Um, I I I, th- I think the direct quote from the show is "Every piece matters," um, and uh, and, that, and that was shockingly the same with Rick and Morty. The, the further you get into the seasons, because of course it's at first a very dumb TV show, and then it becomes kind of more interesting and, and complicated. But um, yeah. So so that was something that I definitely had to do. You were watching this with your dad, correct? Had he watched it before.
0: Okay, so. I knew going in when I selected this pick, the first like night I was about to put this on the TV as I am currently home uh, with my parents as opposed to being in Dallas, uh, I just had a gut feeling of, you know what? Maybe my dad would like this show. Uh, and I that is what you call a home run. Uh, in this industry, uh, when it, when it comes to sort of nailing the prediction of my father, uh, genuinely enjoyed the show and the, the biggest sign of it that always brings me a bunch of joy is when like after we're finished eating dinner or something or, you know, just towards the end of the evening. And then he kind of looks at me, but he looks at me with these like dog eyes for some reason. It's always very funny. And, but then he says, do you want to watch another episode? And I'm like, dad, please yes of course
1: <laughs> that's so cute I love that yeah yeah yeah
0: but I want I want to speak to the uh, yeah. cleverness that you brought up with this show uh in terms of its execution and the fact that all the pieces matter um because so I think the only detriment not, uh, detriment is a tough word but the only thing that I would think is slightly, Bringing the show back, even though it is so purposeful and it's so well done at the same time, is the speed and the pacing of which the show goes, that if you miss something, that show hardly uh, allows you to catch up, right? So you may get some snippets here and there where, uh, one of the characters, Lester Friedman goes to, uh, you know, two other detectives and like, okay guys, you're going to do this, this thing. And they're like, what's that? And then he gives you a very good detailed explanation with a sort of montage that happens. Like, okay, so this is what they're doing and this is the purpose and this is what they're going to execute. But there are so many times also that, a character drops a piece of information, or a character says, I want to do this, or a character and another character meets up. Uh, primarily, like, for example, I would say, the in the very first episode, when you have uh, Detective McNulty, played by Dominic West, who does a fantastic job in the show, when yeah. he meets the judge in the very first episode and immediately is like, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. You don't understand that this is happening. And as a viewer, you're like, Oh, holy crap. This is going super duper fast. Now, like you're going to get caught up throughout the show as the show is about, you know, what, uh, detective McNulty brought up in that first conversation when it comes to, uh, the main quote antagonist, right uh of Avon Barksdale who's i mean i, I wouldn't say antagonist cuz you would typically you think of antagonist as like a villain right um but there are plenty of cases where that is not the case and i don't think this is the case here um not because Avon Barksdale does necessarily good things but because of just the amount of humanity that you get in that character compared to the uh, stereotypical villains in these kind of shows. Uh, I think Wood Harris does a phenomenal job, and but like I said, that's that's the biggest thing that I think is holding this show back uh, is the sort of rapid you know dash to the pacing into the story, and to, we have to get things going on constantly, which is also a good thing because then as the viewer we have things constantly going on. But as I'm saying this, Mac. I mm. honestly aside from that I have a hard time trying to pinpoint specific things that I for example did not enjoy about the show or did not yeah. like about the show or specific well, things that I thought the show didn't do well or what did you have a similar experience uh-huh. in that regard Yeah
1: yeah yeah and and I actually wanted to speak on on the um on 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 the pacing of the show and why I think that might be um what's what's so interesting to me and 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 one of my favorite my absolute favorite parts of um uh of, of of watching shows like this specifically shows that are very clever very heady very um very dense in terms of uh themes um i want so bad to know about process because I'm such a process nut. And so I I have to do a bunch of research. I have to go online and find out everything I can about the writers and the directors and whoever created the show and why the heck they did. And this one is maybe the most interesting. uh, I guess you can go ahead and call this my sizzle serve. This is the most interesting group of creators and uh, um, story writers that I think we've ever reviewed and maybe that I've ever heard of because it, uh, cause there are plenty of people that are like based on true events or whatever, but this is, it's very interesting. So, so, you know, to stop me if you have any questions or if you ever get bored, um, David Simon, um, was one of the creators of the show. He, uh, started out as a, um, as a journalist, a reporter, um, in Baltimore, Around the time that all of these things were happening, all like what 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 the uh, what the true events are based off of.
0: I want to say really fast. I had no idea about that. This is the first time I'm hearing this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. Oh, and I cleared my throat into the microphone. That's a fine. Um, but this is the first time that I'm hearing this information. As usually when I review stuff for the show, um, I. Don't usually do the research. Occasionally, I will here and there. Um, but uh-huh. for something like this, I just kind of look at it at face value. Of like, this is what I interpreted. Yeah. This is what I understood. This is what I took away from this show. Um, but just knowing that alone, I am super fascinated. But I also think it speaks to the quality of the characters of the show. But if you could please continue about the details that you found in
1: your research. No, no, no. Get, get, get ready because if you like that, you're going to, you're gonna die. So. Um, David Simon, one of the creators of the show, was a journalist. As all this was happening, um, uh, then became an editor, then became a a book writer, and he wrote several books, several um, crime novels. Uh, so he was a he, he was a novelist. This is the very first and only time he ever has tried to um, write something for uh, TV, um, and 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 write something for actors. So I think that that is is partially testament to. Um, the uh, to, to 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 that thing that you're talking about in terms of pacing, in terms of the 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 rate at which we get information, and um, how it everything every scene that we see for the first couple of episodes is seemingly slow, but it ends up b- being ext- like so fast that you 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 need to go back and watch it. Um, so that was that was David Simon. He pairs up with his friend. Ed Burns. Ed Burns is the other creator of the show. And he was also a crime novelist. But the reason that they know each other is because while David uh, Simon was a reporter, um, Ed Burns worked for the Baltimore Police Department.
0: It all makes sense. It all makes sense.
1: He is what uh, the McNulty character is based off of um, because he was one of the people – that was working on the ground and got really close to all of the other um, criminals and 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 drug dealers and people that were in that community. Um, and and so he realized that he wanted to make a show about, and he and he, and he wanted to call it The Wire because he was like, I, I think that that's the most important part of most investigations that I that I that I have been a part of, um, and it's the hardest part because it takes forever to. For higher up to let you even start to find a wire, and then, um, and then in terms of actually finding the wire, it's 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 so rare that you actually find a um, a reliable wire. Anyway, so um, so so they knew each other. They they get. Uh, they they love the city of Baltimore. They're like, we want to make something about what is actually happening in Baltimore and actually happening in America and make it as real as possible, which is why the show looks the way it does. It it, it is a very naturalistic looking um, uh, show in terms of cinematography. Um, They really don't do a lot. It's very grainy. And I'm like, oh, so this show was made like, like in the like late 80s early 90s based off of just what it looks like right the way it's edited and then you're like oh wait no it was it was absolutely not (laughs) um it's it's a lot more current than that and then also um in terms of the sound uh something that i i I found was was they talked a lot about have you ever heard of diegetic or non-diegetic sound diegetic sound is sound that comes from within the scene um, non diegetic sound is like, if there is like a score placed on top of it and diegetic sound is if there's only music in the scene that comes from like a radio within the room. And so they use plenty of sound, but they have to justify it and they have to make it as real as possible. And they like, w- whenever in the script, something happens on a street corner, they have to go to the actual street that happens in the city. They have to film in Baltimore, every single thing they have to film on location. They have to film, um, um, uh, with with the actual uh, s- setting in mind, and another thing is that they pull like so much of the cast and so much of uh, the, so many of the extras, things like that, are Baltimore natives, are people that live in Baltimore and are and really believe in in the show. Um, even there was uh, one one of the wires in the original case that that's, that the show is based on. Um, he obviously worked his sentence time down because he was uh, in in cahoots with the police uh, with the Baltimore uh, PD, um, and because he worked his time down, he got out. You know, at the age of like fifty or sixty or whatever, and he's on the show. He helped with the show, and he's not like a main part or anything. He's like, I I think he's just like an extra or whatever. I, I'm not even sure if he's if he's in season one. This is just something that I read. Um, which is super interesting, all of the other writers on the show are crime novelists that David Simon and Richard Price know, crime novelists that are from Baltimore. So the the reason that the show is paced the way it is and the reason that the show feels the way it does is because it's not written by TV writers. It's not written by film writers. It's written by novelists and it's paced that way. Um, because they're, they're not making this for entertainment value. They're making it because it's something that they really believe in, and, and it's about their personal community. Go ahead, Danny.
0: Uh, and I think that really shows, now that you mentioned it, it shows in the dialogue. There, uh, our mutual friend, Sam, who has appeared in our uh, Brother Bear episode, he was watching a different show, mind you. He was watching The West Wing. And what he told me that was really interesting about The West Wing was that everything was really well written, everything right but when it comes to the dialogue the dialogue isn't in terms of West wing the dialogue isn't necessarily bad but what the dialogue is is that you don't really typically imagine people having a conversation and using that sort of dialogue like that sort of text right and so one of my takeaways about the show as well was like oh this dialogue is weird but not in a bad way right it's weird because it feels atypical to an actual human conversation and it's just like how the conversation flows uh but there was such a high priority of um this character needs to have this piece of information shown in this scene right so how are we going to present that uh and so does the dialogue does the text suffer for that N- not necessarily, right? Like, it's very clear that the text is not written by people who are acclimated with, like, studying dialogue. This isn't a sort of, uh, like, David Mamet sort of thing where we're looking at somebody who has somehow put, you know, replicated human dialogue onto a page. No, it's very clearly a script that these characters are saying, but yet at the same time, I think it's beautifully sort of uh, veiled by the acting quality of these actors. And, I mean, across the board, right? I can't think of one actor in this show that does less of a job. Maybe, like, the actor that plays Poot um, <laughs> is, like, the only one that I can think of. Is like, okay, I mean, maybe he could have done more uh, in this one instance. Maybe, like, on the phone here in this one scene, right? But uh, I-, I think what you said... Uh, speaks volumes to the quality of the show that it like it literally has in terms of its text, but it also furthermore speaks to the quality of the show overall with how the overall narrative is written. It's such a clear emphasis in telling uh, the story in a sort of big scope, big picture, right? That um, I'm I'm. fairly firm in the sense of how much of a priority it is you know like each scene has to be here each scene is like this each scene needs to be this blah, blah 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 like there was such a great focus in that and i think that focus is especially shown in the final episode and this is where i want to present my sizzle serve that oh man okay yeah i think the best Part about this show is its ending, at least the the very first season, right? Once again, I can't speak on the other seasons, but the very the best part about the first season is the last few moments mm. of the first season, where so what the show does, it it plays this sort of montage of sorts, right? Um, but what this montage is saying to you and what it's showing to you, I should say, is for example, for example, Detective McNulty on this case. He gets, he's a detective and he gets demoted to like a policeman on a boat. We, ha- we have uh, Michael Santangelo, a minor character in the show who is also a detective, uh, demoted to just a regular cop, right? Mm-hmm. We have Avon Barksdale, who was the ringmaster of this uh, drug organization. We have him arrested, yet. Everything in terms of the organization of the drugs themselves and of the drug selling and of the business is completely 100% maintained because they couldn't get one of Avon Barksdale's lieutenants, uh, Stringer Bell, played by Idris Elba, who does, I mean, just an amazing job. Um, But we see everything just goes back to normal. Everything, all of the hard work that these characters put in, it feels a hundred percent like it was for nothing. And that is exactly the point that the show tries to nail home, right? That you have perhaps some of these characters who like loved doing this case, who had such a great sense of justice and a great sense of urge and need for what they were doing. But in the end, because of some people in power, they were held back. And not only do you see that on the detective side, but you see that a little bit on the criminal side, too, primarily with uh, D'Angelo Barksdale's character when... You know, he wants to be his own person and he wants to be free uh, from the life that he was born into mm. in terms of selling drugs uh, and making a living and making money like that. But it feels like he has his own shackles on him in his own way by his uncle, who is Avon Barksdale, and by his mother, who was introduced late into the season, but introduced very well. Uh, I think we see these parallels that you mentioned earlier perfectly and we see it perfectly here at the very end of the first season where you realize oh so this was all bullshit um uh, and but that's the point and that's the that's the main takeaway that oh so the the hardships that these characters had to go through meant nothing in the grand scheme of things um but let's speak on more mac perhaps after a break <coughs>
1: And welcome back to The Art with Mac and Dan. So what we were talking about right before was uh, you you had a sizzle serve. You said that your favorite scene... Or I guess it was your gold medal. My bad. It was your gold medal. Your favorite scene. No,
0: sir. My, no, 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 sir. I said my sizzle serve was the best right. part about this show. Right. Perhaps, like, other people will point to other scenes and other moments and other uh, sort of uh, presentations that the show has, but I thought that the best
1: thing that this show did was its ending. Right, right. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, I am going to say that I do not think that the... And was my my personal favorite scene. I my my favorite scene uh, was with a very young Michael B. Jordan. What is he like? Fifteen in this? Um, Just about. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think so. I,
1: I, I'm on it. Thank you. Please. Um, when he is playing chess in the park um, with the other guys. Yeah. And he, oh man, it's so because like y- y- you hear the analogy all the time these days, and and, and it's and it's kind of like it's it's become a cliche. It's it's often overused. Oh, did you find the age? Fifteen. You were on yes. the money, my friend. Okay, sweet. Um, we often find uh, the, like the the oh, you're just a pawn in, in the game of whatever, you know, and and that and that's very corny. But the wire was like really one of the. They really brought that back they, they really made that popular again and it was because of this scene so badass where this kid who is has has this, similar to most of the, the the criminals in this movie or sorry in, in this TV show ha, has been thrust into his life um, and does not necessarily want it he's trying he, he finally has made a realization and he is explaining it to the other people that, that, that he is around. Where he's they're playing chess and he's like, so this is all a game, and 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 they say several times throughout the season, this is all a game. It's it's all the game. It's this is the game. Um, and he's like, it's it's a game of chess, and you're just the little pieces. You're just the pawn. And then um, it, like, it, and 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 then like they start to use it. I think like several episodes later, characters are like, yeah, we're like the little pieces in chess, and they're like, uh, you mean pawns? Yes, so so I, I would have to say that that was my favorite scene just because I think it really did an awesome job of summing up the show, what the show was really about it thematically um, in terms of no matter how important you think you are or your job is, you are – there's a totem pole and there's always someone above you no matter who you are. There's always someone above you and um, – and you're just a part of the game. You're just playing the game. And you play the game as long as you can, and then you get out of the game. And it's really sad, but it's, it's I think, super astute. Um, the other thing we that we kind of segued into the, the last segment was um, the bit about uh, the actors and how fantastic the acting was. And, and I'm going to have to agree with you. The acting was really, really superb. Um, and it was really exciting to see from a lot of these people. But... Uh, but for for me at least the first episode or two i didn't really trust the actors yet they were doing a lot of things that were um very showy and very uh uh d- dramatic and kind of like fake and it, it was it was bothering me for a while and and then it and then the, i started trusting the actors more and and it got better and better and they got more and more um nuanced and subtle and, 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 and whatnot. Uh, like, I think there was this one part where early on in it might've been the first episode. Um, they're all talking to, um, to a, they're talking about what they want to do in terms of the case. And they're talking to a a woman that's a representative from like the state department or whatever. And, um, and she, starts to leave and she does this thing and me and you have seen this so many times because we talked about it in our acting classes a bunch that she like starts to walk out and then they say something and she stops and it's so unnatural because no one like dramatically walks out a door and then stops in their tracks and like like takes a moment to themselves it's like that's that's really a, a very theatrical thing but like most people would just like turn around or they like listen to something. They're like, Oh my gosh, I have to stay here. What the heck? But she was like, she really took her time and like hand it up. And it was, I was just annoyed by it. But what I found in research is that apparently um, the creators of the show and, and uh, the directors, they told the actors why they were making the show, what the show was, was really about what their plans for the show were going to be moving forward. And, and, the, the types of stories they wanted to tell and why they were telling them, in terms of like we we, we want to make this about Baltimore, we want to make this about the community, we want this, we want we want to look at this small example because r- really it's about all of America, and we want it to be real as possible. And after the actors saw the first two episodes, edited, they were like, "Oh, this show looks a lot different than I thought." Very very similar to how we saw the first few episodes, and we're like, "Oh, this is wrong. This isn't this isn't Hawaii Five O. This isn't Bones. This isn't Monk. This isn't Psych." uh we we just go back to listing <laughs> we just go back to listing all of the cop shows um they told them you know uh, about this and then all of the actors were like oh well we're shooting in baltimore let's just go out and like look at baltimore for a while and and take our inspiration there and so that apparently was a huge turning point for all the actors in the show in terms of seeing all the people meeting the people that they were that they had to they had to do a service to um that they had to represent. Um specifically uh Andre Royo, who who was the uh actor who played Bubbles, who was um a an, an, an addict on the show, um met quite a few I loved bubbles. Oh, it was superb. Was an act absolute masterclass, this guy. And um and so apparently he was he did such a good job because he he met so many, so many of the people, so many of of, of, of people that, that that like other addicts at, in like rehab centers and things like that, and and on the streets that he was portraying, and he got so into it that on set, as he was making his way from uh, the the trailers to the the set, he got stopped by security on several occasions because they thought that he was a homeless guy that wandered into the set. Um, they did not even recognize him as, uh, as, as famous actor under Royal, which is so interesting to they like, Oh my gosh, that's wild. And s- several times that, he, uh, he, he said that there, there were times where he was walking around the streets of Baltimore in his makeup, with, tr- like working on his walks and working on his like ticks and stuff. And that there were other there there were people that approached him and were attempting to give him drugs because they they mistook him for the person they were actually trying to give drugs to like they were they were, they were going to meet up with a homeless guy and and like make an exchange but they thought that Andre Royal was the guy and so he was like offered drugs and he had to be like no 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 I'm not the guy I'm not the guy <laughs> <laughs> and like snap out of it and be like, No, 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 you need to leave right now. Like get get out of here. Like, please. And um Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And that makes a huge difference in the show. Them realizing, oh, I'm actually this isn't a a this isn't a regular show. This is meant to be about real people that 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 are also a part of the show. Like that they, they have extras in the series that, like I said earlier, are from Baltimore are there because they love Baltimore so much that as an actor, you have to, you have to show up and you have to do a service to the people that you are looking at working with every day, you know? So I, I thought that that was, that there was a, that, that, that was a very interesting, uh, uh, part of the show and a big turning point. Yes, Danny.
0: I think it, go, it goes to show the both uniqueness of, uh, an interesting quality of the characters as well as the characters themselves being these sort of blank slates that they're moving beyond just being characters and also being representations of the people that live in these c- cities that breathe life and I think one of the things that the show does really well in order to have these characters be more and actually be people in a space and in an environment and in this city and doing these things and having these wants and desires and how this show incorporates little moments and little scenes right so you'll get in this show scenes where they don't last for more than 20 seconds and it's just like maybe it's a character coming home uh back to their significant other maybe it's a character just uh eating some food with another person maybe it's another character just like looking at something for a moment or taking pictures of something. Like, it's just those little moments, something as simple as that. But what the show does uh, instead of that I feel other shows do is that the show moves beyond just showing that these characters are living life, but they also take the opportunity to not only show that these characters are living life, but also show the growth that these characters are experiencing within that moment, right? So they use each and every scene for storytelling purposes yes as opposed to just show something that the characters are doing right like the they these small scenes actually do play Into the greater narrative and shows a greater, uh, helps us with the, obtain a greater understanding of these characters and how these characters operate. Something as small as when Lester Freeman, who, if I had to give a gold medal to a character, this man is my gold medal. He is amazing. Played by Clark Peters. And the suavity, as I like to say, uh, that this character inhibits is <laughs> just wondrous. Uh, and, yeah. But how he controls every scene. Like it's it's that sort of yeah. stage presence, as it's called. But something as small as he goes into the office or we see him just uh, messing with the little uh, furniture, dollhouse furniture items that he's building. Or we see him going to the office and one of the uh, ex uh, pole dancers from the club nearby, uh, Chardine, uh, just kisses him on the cheek. Like Something as simple as that not only is a, oh, this character is living life, but it's also a critical storytelling moment. And you, we don't think it's critical in that moment, right? Because it feels insignificant and it feels insignificant because it only takes a few seconds, but it shows the sort of quality and the care that each of these characters get.
1: That's... I think is a perfect segue into my sizzle serve. My sizzle serve is I can't think of a better TV show, movie, really anything with better nonverbal uh, communications, with better nonverbal scenes. It's unreal. Because um, the, 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 like, like you were talking about, it is really interesting for character reasons. Um, it is really interesting for uh, like moment to moments, like scene building and things like that. I think the thing that sets this show apart is that there are moments, important plot moments, where you as an audience need desperately to know exactly what's happening with a moment. And rather than tell you straight up, tell you exactly what's happening and how it's happening, it'll just be a glance. It'll just be it'll just be eye contact and and like you said it'll be like a 20 second scene where someone's sitting there someone comes around the street corner they make eye contact and then one person is just like wow like they like raise their eyebrows or something and that's the end of the scene and it matters and it makes sense as an audience member as well as it 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 excites you because it, it you're not being spoon-fed it, it it even though it's obvious and even though it would take a dummy not to, it, unless you're absolutely not paying attention to the show, you know exactly what's happening. It makes you feel smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? As an audience member, you feel like, oh man, I'm such a, like, oh, I, like, I'm so proud of myself for catching that or that's so interesting, even though it's really clear. And I think that that is an, a, a testament to um, to the, uh, uh, the the director of the show or the director of this season, um, Ed Bianchi. Ed Bianchi? Ed Bianchi, something like that. That, and, and of course obviously me being super directing minded I, I that's that's one of the first things I see and one of the first things i that, that I think of but that I would have to say is 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 my uh sizzle serve uh, what was your comment Danny uh
0: well I wanted to kind of comment on the fact that it feels Chekhovian in a way and Ooh, look so at you go look at me go bringing in anton Chekhov because that's mm. how much of an
1: old soul I am yeah really um but you're but, right yeah
0: but, but it's Chekhovian in the sense of the best way I, I feel that I can describe Anton Chekhov is this Russian playwright from over 100 years ago and how he incorporates life into these characters. But Chekhov is a trap because if you don't fill in those moments of life with character, then you have nothing. That if you assume that just living the life as those characters is going to be enough for those characters, that is wrong. It is F- filling those moments with the wants and the desires that the characters need and the characters need to do. And I think that's what this show does so well that it feels like actually Chekhovian that you see these characters, in these brief moments of life, these brief glimpses of life. You may get just a short snippet of, you know, uh, of a deal being made in the projects uh, and we see Wallace, you know, where we see Wallace, uh, who is played by Michael B. Jordan, a 15 year old Michael B. Jordan. Um, excellently by the way. And we see, and we see Wallace, um, sort of see this interaction. But it, what it does is that it's not just showing, hey, this character, he's a human being. No, like, in terms of like this character, a human being does things, right? Mm-hmm. A human being in the sense of, you know, he's experiencing something every living moment and that is the difference between the quality of so many things and i think we spoke on it of siberian lady macbeth last time previous episode where if if you fill if you fill in the gaps right if you fill in the gaps of character you know living those moments in that life and just filling every moment with a want and desire and just even as an actor you're reminding yourself okay what do i want what do i need what do i need to do in order to get what i want Right. And if you're constantly thinking that, and if you always have a POV of something instead of just nonchalantly standing there, then it fills those moments like it's nothing. Yeah. And especially when you have a cast and, and an ensemble this large for a show, it is absolutely critical to fill those moments meaningfully every time because maybe your total screen time on this show is not even five minutes when they're about 13 hours worth of something. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even more so to speak on, because even though the dialogue of the show perhaps is a little bit weird here and there, how the show approaches scene non-verbally is fantastic. I want to, I'm going to be you know a little bit uh, gluttonous here <laughs> per se. Because if I were to give a gold medal to a scene, I would actually give this gold medal. Uh, and yes, I know, I know, I'm just going all willy nilly with gold medals, like like going to no, Kimbo and that. firing off in all directions. <laughs> yeah. If I had to give it to a scene, it would be the uh, the detective work, the investigation that McNulty and his partner Bunk, played by Wendell Pierce, uh, that they do in the apartment of this seemingly inconspicuous murder Uh, uh, done upon this girl. I think her name was Deidre. And they were able to figure out through things here and there, oh, so this is related to the Barksdale case. And this entire scene, let me explain how great the scene is because this scene goes on for a few minutes. The only word for the most part and variations of this word the only word that is spoken between these characters back and forth is the f yeah
1: and different different variations right exactly
0: and so i know it's not non-verbally in the the sense right but they're not Uh, communicating each other right it's not verbally because they're using it as a sound right as opposed to You know, instead of like "ouch" or "ooh," right? right? They're using the F word, but they're using it as a sort of thinking word, right? And and as a communicating word. And so, (laughs) I'm kind of cheating here when I say non-verbally. Now I'm walking myself back, but but how they use this one word? It's non-linguistic. Exactly. And, and the best part about that scene, too, is even if they're using that one word and even though they're thinking with that one word and only communicating with this one word, you're able to piece together everything with them in this scene. And they don't say anything else but the F word. Yeah. It is a testament to the overall writing of each individual scene to this show. And that's something, it's moments like those, those when you think to yourself, holy crap, like I'm watching something different. Like the quality of what you're watching is showing, right? There are so many times where you may be watching a movie or a TV show where you're like, this is good, but it's fine. But rarely do I feel that the quality of something immediately jumps right off of the screen and you d- and you say to yourself, holy cow, I am watching something that is incredibly smart, incredibly intelligent, and the biggest part, and I think the biggest takeaway for me of the show is that it is incredibly purposeful. Mac, do you have a thought?
1: Uh, we, we, I was actually talking about this with my with my students uh, this past week because we were, were reading the two shows we're doing this semester and one of them was The Bad Seed. I don't know if you've ever heard of The Bad Seed. Um, it's a, like a horror movie from the 1950s. Um, but it was originally like a play and it, and it's, it's, it's pretty good, but we were talking about how the most interesting part of the entire play is whenever the mom is, cause there, there's this little girl and she is like a murdering psychopath. And it's basically like the mom's journey to trying to, to, to come to terms with that, with that fact. And then what she does about it, that, that knowing that her child is, um, so she starts she it gets really frustrated with her daughter because her daughter won't admit it, even though she's caught her in the act. And she starts like violently shaking her daughter. And she and, and, and by the way, a very important detail is that in the print you've seen prior, the mom realized that the, uh, the the mom found out that her her biological mother was also a murdering psychopath. Her daughter is a murdering psychopath. And so she's shaking her daughter and then in these the directions, she stops. And it says she realizes what she is doing and she holds her hands behind her back. And continues the scene with her hands behind her back. And I was like, so why does she do that? And then the kids were like, oh, I don't really know. And then there's always one kid in every class. I was like, oh, it's because she's afraid because she doesn't want to be like her mom and like her daughter. And I was like, freaking exactly. And that is the most interesting part of the entire play. And I was like, so what did we learn from this? The most interesting part of most really, really intelligent scripts is not in the script. The The best part of the script is usually not in the script. Um, and The Wire does that like a thousand times over. And and also in Chekhov. In Chekhov, the most interesting parts of Chekhov are not in the script. And that's why people often are like, man, this is boring. It's like, no, 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 no. It's because you have to read with ultimate imagination and ultimate world building skills. And, and, and you have to read a lot slower than you think because it's all there. It just takes a lot of puzzle building in your head in order for it to really click and in order or it for for it to um really come to fruition so i i, I had a, a question for you danny and this is kind of a um uh transition do you think that this series could be made nowadays
0: i think it could uh but it only here's the here's the reason why we're reviewing this show Uh is because of how good this show is, right? Yeah. We brought up some other shows like CSI and CIS and kind of the shtick of that show is just like, you've seen one episode for the most part, you've seen them all. Uh, and that the only really interesting things that those shows do is just like, what crazy wacky thing are they going to do this time? Right. Um, but this is, like I said, the quality jumps off the screen. Uh, So I think, in terms of if this show just happened to be released uh today, right, Ignor- ignore- ignoring the uh, sort of uh, anachronistic uh, qualities that you know people are still using newspapers and pagers, right, right? right. um, and that being a super duper important plot element of the show, um, uh, I mean, would it be made today? I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough. That's a tough question. But I think, I think this show has aged really really well and i think that's the bigger thing right um and and but but what the show does with the humanity to both sides is a critical factor uh to its age and to how it still stands uh in terms of the socio-political politics that we have today
1: uh something that you touched on for a second that we 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 talk about this uh or, or at least me and and the writers that i know talk about this all the time which is i feel like the very first question you always have to answer for yourself like right before you write a script so you've you've storyboarded it you know what your story is, is going to be and you're about to start and then you have to remind yourself of the very first question of all writers nowadays if it takes place today what are you going to do about phones because phones ruin most stories nowadays um so so it's it's, it's funny that you said that cuz i totally agree that's a very important part and a lot of things uh, would not be the case if people had smartphones. Uh, G- Google would have s- solved a lot of scenes. Um, uh, really high quality cameras, um, uh, high quality cameras that are attached to things that 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 are normal to have around you. Um, uh, video, audio, things like that. Anyway, but I think the hardest, the 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 toughest sell about the show, and why I'm not sure. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be, succeed nowadays, but I'm not sure if it would if it would even get made in the first place necessarily, or really come to uh, light as 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 a show that is as brilliant as it actually is. Is that um, it is paced a lot different, a lot different than everything made nowadays, um, and it also skips over the action. It does a specific job. It tries its hardest. To every time that you're about to get that chase scene, every time that you're about to get that, like they're about to 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 get the bad guy or whatever, like a cop movie, cop show or whatever normally does, it does. It's it, it tries its hardest to not show you that. It skips over those scenes. There are only a couple times where they show you, uh, where they show you chases, or where they show you violence, and it's because they like something really specific and important happens. It's not just they get the guy or else they would just cut to the very end of it whenever they already have him or whenever they're questioning or whenever they're uh, uh, the person's already dead or something. Um, so I think because of that, because the show is, so much of it happens in between the lines, so much of it happens at a slow pace and because the first few episodes, you have no idea what to make of the show and you don't realize that All of the little stuff is important. I haven't seen anything like that in a very long time, and I haven't seen anything like that that would, uh, especially, that would survive on uh, like platforms like Netflix or 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 um, Hulu, Uh, because most of the shows that we see nowadays are they they have to hook you fast and they have to be very clear about what's happening. But but of course, if it was to be made nowadays, it would stay on HBO because this is a perfect. HBO show go ahead Danny
0: on that token a common element of and once again I am old uh Greek theater nice is
1: <laughs> nice they
0: would have Check off and Greek a theater. lot wow. of <laughs> a lot of critical action be performed off of the stage for the uh audience not to see the biggest most famous example I would think is in Oedipus Rex When he finds out that he killed his father and married his mother, what he does off stage, mind you, and it is explained to you by a messenger who is on stage, he tells you what's happening, is that Oedipus takes off the pins from his robe and he gouges his eyes out. And there's blood everywhere and there's this horrifying image that's happening. Uh, and, And the mother dies too. I think she's asphyxiated in some way. And what they're doing specifically is, of course, they didn't have the resources to do a really good job of how to uh, present that. But also, when you have somebody describing to you in visceral detail what's going on, it is always, for the most part, going to be more effective. Uh, in terms of a storytelling device than it is to actually have the thing going on. So let's use an example from the wire, right? Please. A critical moment towards the end of the season is when we have Kima, uh, detective Greg's uh, one of, like I said, the detectives and she is posing as one of the dancers for the club owner Orlando. And because they arrested Orlando, they're using him as a sort of and gateway in, in in order to get farther into the case. Uh, things go wrong. They shoot up Orlando, and they also shoot up Kima as well. But you don't see them shoot Kima at all. And so the harrowing part about it is you're actually hearing Kima on the radio as you know this thing is going down, as Orlando gets shot, and as mm-hmm. she is getting shot. And so you're filled with this imagination in your mind of like, oh no, oh no, what has happened, what has happened, what has happened, because you don't have the answers right then in that moment. And that is one of the more effective things that this show does. Now, there are a lot of things nowadays, and I think this is because of uh, what we've been geared towards with some things like the Marvel films, the Star Wars films, and even Game of Thrones, that those are series that are action-oriented, that they want to tell the story through the action because the action is the more exciting part, and the action is what is going to get people to stay for them, right? Right. But we have something uh, that we see in this show where we don't see Kima uh, get shot. We don't see the stick-up boy uh, get tortured and then thrown onto this car to be shown in the project's Uh, what we do get is a heavier emphasis of story because they're reserving the action to the side and we hardly get any real action. There isn't the stereotypical cop chasing somebody else in a scene except for this one moment. But how it's shot is not in the sort of, you know, James Bond uh, sort of, <laughs> of photography of directography where the camera is constantly following the action. It's sort of the camera's right here and it's looking around. And, you know, a cop is from this corner, a cop is from that corner, and it's very messy. But like I said, there's such a heavier emphasis of story that now I do understand what you're saying because there are so many times that we feel nowadays that story doesn't necessarily sell. And so many of these corporations want to make money. Uh, and in some ways, how can you blame them? And in other ways, yes, you can. Um, but that's the big thing is that there is a lost emphasis of story. Yeah. And so story is taking the backseat to what is going to get the most buyers. And that is, I think, uh, Probably the reason why if this show was made, you know, piece for piece, you know, pound for pound, remade nowadays, uh, it would find a tougher time and a tougher audience because, mind you, this was in 2002, and uh, the quality of television at that time was basically itself, and if Sopranos was around that time, then maybe that, but aside from that, I couldn't tell you any other show that was from that time that uh, that is worth being mentioned in the same breath as this one, and that I mean, and that's my biggest takeaway when it comes to this show and the biggest, you know, quality of it. And like I said, twenty thousand times, the quality jumps off of the screen.
1: Um, I I have two qualms. Um, Kablamo. The <laughs> what a strange catchphrase. Um, the uh, the first one is. My one debate for another show that was happening around the same time that 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 needs to be recognized is lost. I I blow smoke up that show's ass all the time.
0: You know, I was just trying to rattle off a hot take. You know, I was trying it was to good. Like, get in there, like this is my opinion. This is what I really feel. Aren't I passionate? I agree with um, you for the most no, part. I think you're right. Yeah, I agree with
1: you for the most part. But goodness gracious, that show is so freaking good. Anyway, um. And the other one is I love I oh gosh, I'm not sure. I think you're gonna have to go and edit in a failure um, because you used the word directography and it was hilarious. You um, said like cinematography or directography. I'm really sad you called me out. Did you on Did you feel it after you after you said it? Where you're like, oh no,
0: Mac? I couldn't think of the word cinematography, so <laughs> I said no. No, the best part. The best part. Let's Let's unpack this a little bit. I said photography first you did i knew that was wrong cinematography was still not in my head and i was like the next best thing directography i made up a word and you
1: know what you're welcome <laughs> and i'm not gonna lie you said it with such confidence that i had to look up i was like i, I i'm that might be a real word i'm like i can't make fun of him that, that he, <laughs> he probably that was real word i look it up that is just not the case that is just not the case but I mean, su- superb. And I think we're going to have to use it from now on. Anytime that we're, that we mean cinematography, I'm, I'm going to say directography, just, just uh, to, to mourn um, the, the loss of, of Danny's uh, ethos. So, um, <laughs> in, in conclusion, because obviously we're, we're going to have to come back to this series. Um, there's no way around it, especially with the way that this one ended. And what I've been what, what what I read about seasons to come is that um they take a look at different sections of the divide um between the police and the uh um the crime community and specifically the drug community they they take a look at it from from different angles like um Like, they look at it in terms of schools. They look at it in terms of uh, the press and the media and and, and things like that. Um, So we're going to have to keep watching, right?
0: And already, really fast, I want to say that we already got, like, a snippet of that when in the first season we got, you know, whiffs. Of the corruption that was in not only in the police department, but in politicians as well. You know, surprise, surprise. But how this whole thing is intermingled in this mess. And it's the great thing that the show says that you follow the drugs and you'll get the dealers and the people who buy and the suppliers. But if you follow the money that you yeah. you don't know where you're going to go.
1: Yeah. And, and that even... Uh... Everyone that you're seeing, no matter how important they are in terms of the show, they're all pawns. Um, which is such an airy thing to think about the further you get into the show. Because every single time you get introduced to a character, and you're like, "Oh, that's the person we've been waiting for. That's the that's that's like the most important person. Like that's what we've been like working up to." It, they're nothing, and it's just going to keep going, no matter how high up the chain you go. Anyway, um, so we will absolutely touch on that, obviously in 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 the future. Uh, so what are your final thoughts um, as we're heading into uh, away from season one and eventually going to watch season two?
0: I'll keep this short and sweet. I already see the inklings of why people consider this show as one of, if not the best television series of all time. Uh, the big thing to for me to say is if you're still listening to this episode and you haven't watched it, Find a way to get HBO and at the very least watch the first season because it has this sort of dual cliffhanger where um, it's very clear that they're setting up for more stories to come. But um, the first season is also this amazing container of storytelling and acting Mm -hmm. and narrative. Um, I mean, you have to watch it if you uh, enjoy television of any kind in any form, and if really, if you just enjoy good things. Mac, what is your final takeaway of this bad? Movie? Good
1: things. Um, I'm actually watching it from Amazon Prime, so so uh, that that's that's also a uh, an option. Um, and it's superb. I'm excited. That's all I can say. I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not going to make too many claims as to whether or not it is the, it, it 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 deserves the clout that it's that it gets. Um inklings, inklings, my inklings, inklings. Absolutely, I'm I'm seeing some seeds planted. Um, so yes, I'm 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 very excited. So, um, may I pitch to you what we are doing for next week? Poor favor, I I'd be happy to. Um, I think it's funny that we that we review shows like like full series, but like do a season every other week. It's just funny. Yeah, that works. But I think it's kind of fun. Anyway, um, so for next week. Uh what we are going to be watching is a uh, a little show that was recommended to be, funny enough, by a student, by several students. They They were all like, that's the one you have to do because we think that you'd like it and we want to know what your opinions are on it based off of the other things that you guys have reviewed so far. And I don't know if 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 you know much about the students that I have, but as I've said to you before, they're not a big fan of of most average things. They're all huge fans of anime. So next week we will be reviewing Akame Ga Kill. What? Have you ever heard of it, Akame Ga Kill?
0: I'm on it. Please get an explanation to my ears, please, right now.
1: Oh, I know very little about it. Um. I uh, it it's it's I I believe it's on either Netflix or uh uh like Come Vimeo or something.
0: Interesting. What the hell
1: is this? Yeah, and it's have you ever even heard of it? No. That's exciting. The anime wizard Danny has been stumped. Um. Yeah. So so we will we will be doing that for next week. Um. And uh, in, in, anything else? Anything else for me, Danny? Th- that'll be it. Thank you very much, Mac. I uh, thank you very very much, Danny Lavelle, and I will see you next week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Bye.